Hello, welcome back to the Be Unbound podcast. This is your host, Abraham Chen, joined by my co-host, David Rethemeyer. How are you doing? Doing fantastic, Abe. So David, today we are back with the Unbound Talks series. We are going through the five or the uh, four principles that we talk a lot about in Unbound. That is ask, understand, do, live. Today we're on understand. So help us understand what we need to understand. <laughs> well, uh, if you haven't already, I would highly recommend checking out the first two episodes in this series where we give an introduction to this model and we talk about the first part of this model, which is ask. And that talks about how asking important questions, asking relevant questions is a key to understanding the fact that we are in a questions-based paradigm, not an answers-based paradigm anymore. But once you ask questions, then how do you contextualize, how do you uh, process the answers that you get? And that's what this episode of Understand is going to help us to understand. So before we say that word anymore, I think uh, we can go ahead and get right into it. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, please enjoy the episode. Well, thank you guys once again for joining us on uh, this journey of understanding this model that we have. So last time we talked a lot about ask and the importance of questions-based paradigms in our world today. So Jonathan, to start off this section that we're going to be covering today on understand, uh, help us to connect the dots. How does ask inform this concept of understand? Give us an overview of it. Yeah, so we talked last time about asking being in a questions-based paradigm rather than an answers-based paradigm. And um, one of the things that's really important to understand there is that a questions-based paradigm only works if you have enough context to be able to ask the right questions. Like you don't sort of start, uh, you, there, is, there is some level of answers that are necessary in order to write, to ask the correct questions. And so there is some contextual knowledge that is uh, required to make a questions-based paradigm work. And so we start with ask and say, hey, you need to be introduced to this concept of the fact that it's not about the answers are so important, it's about asking the right questions so you can get answers so you can ask better questions. But you have to have enough, the, the next step here is they have to understand enough of the context to be able to ask the right questions. And that's when it comes down to understand. And you say, well, understand what? Because obviously you could insert an infinite amount of things here, right? Understand nuclear physics, understand world history, understand whatever. Um, and so we say, yeah, those things are important. And in fact, depending on what questions you ask, they might be absolutely essential to whatever questions you're asking. But what is the kind of basic foundational framework that really makes a big difference here? That if you understand this, then you're on the right track to ask the right questions overall. And uh, so we would say that that involves uh, this concept of story and narrative. And we're going to get to that in a second. But to kind of illustrate this as we kick this off, um, if I told you, that last Saturday, a Arctic ship was discovered underneath the polar ice cap. <clears throat> you would say, okay, now that's, that's a set of facts, right? So one of two things would happen if I just told that to you. One, you'd forget about it. Okay, so there's a ship underwater. There's lots of ships underwater in different places. Or you might say, what ship was found, right? You'd, you'd ask a question. You would want to know something else about it. And it's not that you want to know more facts about it, right? I've given you the pertinent facts, the facts that are actually useful. It's that you want to know more of the context behind it. What you really want to know is the story. Now, if I went on and said, 
Last Saturday, an expedition found the Endurance, Shackleton's ship that was frozen in the ice that they had to abandon and then trek across the Arctic ice and then um, was in a small boat and then it's had an incredible story of survival and then Shackleton left and World War I started and things got complicated and they came back and he rescued the entire crew from the clutches of polar death. Um, and that on the 100th anniversary of Shackleton's funeral, they found the Endurance, the ship that got frozen in the ice as they went down there, and it's in perfect condition. Okay, I didn't actually add a lot of, I added some facts, certainly, but not facts that change the sort of base level uh, story here that there's a ship underneath the ice. But all of a sudden, that story uh, connected to what you may already know about Shackleton and the Endurance and the whole thing that happened then. That story all of a sudden makes those facts have relevance. That story connects the facts to a greater narrative. And that narrative helps you to make sense of the facts. And what we would say in Unbound is that that little example right there happens every day, all day long. And in fact, you don't have any facts that make any sense to you until they're built into a narrative. And that's the importance of story. And that's the importance of narrative. And if you don't understand that, you're going to have a really difficult time understanding how the world works and what your place in it is. Gotcha. So it sounds like understanding is once you have asked those relevant, important questions, it's how to then provide context to the answers that you're getting in a way that informs the overall story as you're talking about. Certainly. And not only that, but to be able to ask the right questions to begin with, right? To have some sort of grasp of the story that you're in so that you can ask questions, understand what happens next in the story or what ought to happen next to the story or how you impact the story. Gotcha. Uh, Jace, I'd like to hear from you uh, a little bit more about this concept of uh, story and how it ties into the concept of understanding. Uh, how, how, do you, how do you see this being useful to us today? Yeah, well, I think if you think about your own life, it's a story. Um, you're born, you go through certain experiences, um, and then one day you're going to die. And so there's a beginning to the story, your birth, there is an end to the story, um, your death, and in between there's a plot, and there are characters, your family, your friends, your uh, neighbors, different strangers you may meet. Uh, there may be enemies, there, um, there may be some plot twists, right? Um, and so we can all kind of look at that and, and, and think of our, of our life then as a story, but it's not just kind of a theoretical thing. Um, we, we actually do live a story, um, and specifically, um, you know, the story of, of creation and fall and redemption. And there's all that, that's kind of the, the classic structure of a story, right? It's the beginning, the setting We're we're here. These are the characters. This is what's going on. And then there's a fall. There's, there's a plot. There's a there's a conflict. Something happens. We need to, you know, go and rescue um, the the crew in the Arctic, or we need to whatever it is, whatever the conflict of your life story is at this moment, or whatever. There there's a conflict. There's a there's a plot, and then um, we believe that there's ultimately going to be a resolution to that story. Um, so um, as as a Christian, I believe that when I die. Um, I will see Jesus face to face and that everything that I've experienced in my life um, is going to be is going to culminate in that moment. And, and likewise, I believe that that anybody's story is going to have a, a resolution, right? It's going to come into a culmination. There's going to be a climax um, and there's going to be an ending. 
And so being able to understand our lives specifically, but really, like Jonathan said, anything that's happening in our world um, in that framework of, of a story helps us to um, not only ask the right questions, but also to respond to the right things. Um, and so as we, as we understand our lives through that narrative lens, we realize that it's not just a time, you know, a clock ticking where, you know, just random events seem to, to fill up the, the days and the hours and the, the months and the years, but there's actually progression and understanding that there is that progression and there is a narrative behind it uh, is super important to adding that context to our life to understand what questions we need to ask, how we need to ask them, what actions and um, practical applications that will lead us to and, and ultimately how we're to live our lives. Just to know, before I forget, in our recounting of the story of Shackleton, uh, it's the Antarctic ice and Antarctica. I think I used Arctic several times there, but of course, Arctic would be the North Pole, and Shackleton was actually at the South Pole, so in Antarctica versus at the North Pole. So. Always love to have a fact checker on the team. Make sure. Not all shows do their own fact checking live on their show, so just take a moment to recognize the Well, this show uh, is not all shows. This show. Oh. Cool. So something that I think you uh, touched on there quite a bit, Jace, is the concept that uh, what we believe is that it's not only just that we our lives are in the context of just some kind of story, is that life can be viewed ultimately as part of the great story, the overarching story that is told in creation, in scripture. And that's ultimately how we are viewing all of life and all of story is through that lens, through that uh, understanding of life. Absolutely. There's a big philosophical term for this. It's called meta-narrative, um, which really is just a philosophical term that means literally big story. While we all, you know, seek to understand the story of our lives, you know, where we've been, where we're going, um, where we are now, that's our, our individual story. But we know that we're not just individual people walking around um, living out our own individual stories, that we're actually characters in other people's stories, that those other people are characters in our stories, and that there's that interconnection Right, and that we're actually something of a, we're part of a far bigger story than just our own, and so that's absolutely right, David. I think um, when when Jonathan talks about facts and interpreting facts based on the narrative, that's what a lot of people are talking about, right? You can call it a meta narrative, you can call it a big story, you can call it a worldview, but there's a a narrative understanding of the world that brings context to the individual facts that we learn or the individual events that we experience. Um, and that's really how we how we derive meaning um, from the world around us is understanding it through that that narrative. Uh, that's sort of the thread that I'm hearing through all of this is that it's very purposeful. Is that when you view your life as a story, an author of a story has a purpose. There is ultimately a beginning and an end, and the characters are going on this journey within the story for a reason, for a specific purpose in this story. And that's, I think, one of the reasons that this is such a significant shift in how we view the world is that it gives us purpose. So, yeah, thank you. That's correct, David, but but there's a more important element when we talk about tying the story and this whole idea to not just the story, but the biblical story and to scripture. 
And that's because there is a beginning and there is an end. And even those of us who want to be as lost as possible in our postmodern world realize that they were born and they will die, right? Uh, but there's something else to the creation, to the scriptural story that's really, really essential. And Jace mentioned this, that there's a creation, fall, and redemption, right? So, so the biblical story is that there was a creation and then there was a problem, sin entered the world. And that that's the, you know, in, in, in the biblical story, that's where we live right now. But there will be a redemption that the world was redeemed through Christ and will ultimately be redeemed through Christ. And we're kind of in that middle time. Uh, but when you think about that in terms of a purpose, like it's one thing for somebody to say, I live a story. I was started and then I'm going to end. But if you miss the biblical context, which is, and there's a fall, uh, you are a sinful person. We live in a sinful world. In other words, there is going to be an expectation of suffering. There's going to be an expectation of a problem. That's not just what moves the story ahead. That is actually the reality that you live in. And, and I think I see this a lot today, right? We see people that, yeah, I mean, if you press them, they'd understand they were born. You know, I mean, if you press them, they understand they're going to die. Uh, although there's a certain group of society that thinks that they won't because of technology, right? Um, but, but anyhow, that, 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 that sort of is something they understand, but they don't think some bad stuff's going to happen. They don't understand that bad things happening are, are not just an unfortunate turn of events. Bad things happening is, is a, is the fabric of reality because of the reality that we live in. Um, and that's a really important thing. And knowing that is the difference between people who are resilient, not surprised bad things happen. That's what happens. But I look forward with hope because there's a redemption coming and people who are fragile, who fly apart when bad things happen because A, they didn't expect it and B, they don't see any redemption to it. Um, and, you know, that I think we live in a, a world where there's large portions of especially Western society that are extremely fragile because they have no resiliency, because they have no grasp of the reality, uh, the fact that we live in a story and stories have a fall in them and that that's going to be a part of the plot. And that's an unavoidable, inescapable, you don't get a pass part of the plot. Uh, that's, that's reality, that that is the actual world that you live in and, and you, don't get a, you don't get to go around that. Jonathan, I think you hit on something really important right there. So just to kind of pull that out, you talked about hope. Um, David and Jace, you've been talking about the context in which we live life and the purpose um, that is determined or perhaps not determined based on how you view that and how you view reality. And the that element of hope is something that is directly tied to how you view your life. <laughs> if you see it as a story and what kind of story you see it as and what sort of resolution or outcome that you think that's going to have. So just wanted to kind of highlight that, particularly in a world where hopelessness is a very, very real problem for not only young adults, um, but perhaps especially young adults in this particular day and age. That's a very important element of all this. And I think that's what we're getting so like fond of passionate about this. Like to us, this is reality. <laughs> like this is the way the world works. And that knowing this, it's not just an advantage. It's essential for you to be able to understand it. If you're going to have any kind of resiliency, if you're going to have any purpose, if you're going to be able to navigate the world that we live in, you have to be able to have this context. And yet we live in a postmodern world where most of our school systems not only aren't teaching this, they're not even acknowledging that it exists. Instead, in many cases, they're teaching the exact opposite, that we're a collection of facts, that the, the, the world is just a series of logical inferences, uh, that, you know, everything is rational and that everything is material and that everything is, is kind of an answer, right? 
Um, and, and we were just, I mean, just to make sure that we're really clear about this, we're arguing that is profoundly wrong. <laughs> we don't, we don't just disagree to a, to a degree. We disagree profoundly and completely that that, that is an incorrect understanding of the actual fabric of reality. And if you do not understand the fabric of the reality that you live in, how can you actually make a difference in that world? How can you actually live a life of purpose? How can you actually experience hope? Um, and so if, if we're going to be talking about education, which is this, this is a framework for education, um, we're saying, hey, the education must, must teach this base reality. Education has to teach a foundational truth. And uh, the, the foundational truth is we're a people, we, we as humans, we are designed for story. We, we operate with a narrative. We don't make sense of facts until they're arranged into a narrative. We're part of a meta-narrative of a big story. And understanding that meta-narrative meta -narrative is essential to being able to understand our own lives, how our lives work, and what our purpose is in those lives. And if you don't understand those things, what are you getting educated for? <laughs> what's the point of a degree? Or what's the point of any kind of knowledge if you don't know how to use it because you don't understand the context? I agree with you, Jonathan, um, that we we don't agree with the, the kind of the postmodern consensus that we're just kind of here randomly and we're, um, you know, basically uh, highly sentient animals or extremely crude computers um, or maybe, you know, a little bit of both. But I think it's interesting, I, you know, you, you mentioned kind of living in a postmodern world. And I think in some a lot of ways we do. But I'm also beginning to see um, with with some of the political and I mean, if you just look at the, you know, domestic politics in the United States in the past five years um, and the, the hot button issues that we're talking about today, um, critical race theory in schools, for example, I think we're beginning to see that people are rejecting the idea that there is no meta narrative, which is kind of the, the classic postmodern idea that, oh, there is no big story. There's no bigger, you know, narrative that's giving meaning to life. People are rejecting that because they realize that there is. And we're beginning to see some of these things come out that are basically meta narratives that are seeking to explain the world through a story. Um, and so, you know, use critical race theory for an example, but there, but there are other examples, I'm sure. Um, and I think it's super important to to realize that, you know, yes, not only do we have to to learn and understand that our lives make sense in the context of a story and the narrative and all that kind of stuff, but what story are we um, are we in? Because I think that's that's the question now too is is people are beginning to come around to saying okay yeah okay I admit there's a, there's a bigger story here um, we're not just kind of out here randomly there isn't just kind of a random sequence of events but it's the story itself that there's I think a lot of um, disagreement and discussion on especially um, in our culture today about what is that story that gives um, context to everything the world our lives all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's an excellent point, Jace. I agree with you that there is a, a big turn back to story. Um, I think it's interesting because I think it, it operates on a couple of different levels. I mean, there's a level over society that's very postmodernistic, um, and there's a level over society that's kind of having a snapback or or a, a reaction to that's building these narratives. But but I think then we want to double down and say then it becomes even more essential that you've got the right story, like that you have you have the story that actually reflects reality as it is. Critical race theory is an interesting example because, uh, you know, you have uh, a creation, uh, there's a definite fall, but one of the major issues that I would see with it is there is no redemption story, right? I mean, or the redemption story comes on a lot of really problematic things, right? Uh, a redemption is the elimination of one race or the elimination of 
um, you know, or the elevation of another. Like in other words, it's a it's a kind of a zero sum game. And so that's in contrast to the story that we're talking about that is given to us in scripture, which says uh, there's creation, there's a fall, and then there is a redemption. Uh, that there actually is hope, uh, and that we can you can actually practice hope and live in the light of hope, and you can have faith that redemption is obtainable, that you can play a role in bringing it about, and that it will ultimately one day uh, come to fruition. So yeah, great observation, Jason. You know, the thought that I'm thinking while you guys are talking about how we're starting to accept some uh, amount of story in our lives in this sort of post-postmodernism that we're in is I think about actually sort of the uh, story that we tell ourselves as consumers. And when I look at how we market products is that, say, for example, uh, yesterday was Apple's big event where they announced a bunch of new products. And I think that Apple is one of the best examples of companies that market to the human story. And the story that we tell about ourselves is that ultimately they want to show you the experiences that using their products and services will give you and the ways that they do that I think are excellent. And so ultimately, uh, at least in my opinion, you guys feel free to disagree with me on this. I think it's more of a situation where we think that we are in our story that we are telling and we are in control of, but we end up getting a reality check whenever the world hits us in the face with something that we can't control and we can't forge our own story. And we realize that there's this conflict of our story versus the greater story that we're a part of, whether we recognize it or not. Uh, I'll just add, David, um, I don't disagree with you on that. And I think an additional element of this is that if you understand the way in which uh, you use marketing as a fantastic example. So if you understand, you know, Apple is marketing to you in a very powerful way and using different elements of story, you are also able to then be more discerning about how that works. You're not just blindly taking in information. You understand the way that humans tend to take in information and the way that we tend to interpret that. And so that alone gives you a level of discernment, perhaps, or understanding, or I would hope it would give you a level of discernment and understanding that then allows you to make wiser, more discerning choices um, for your own life as well. And I would say that part of that discernment is to examine Apple's story and see if it matches up against reality, right? Because Apple, much like our earlier example, is also only telling an incomplete story, right? Uh, in Apple's case, uh, redemption is being sold. And once it's bought, the fall is over. Um, and so in other words, you know, you have a problem. You're not as cool as you ought to be. Uh, you can solve that problem by buying an Apple product. Once you buy an Apple product, all your problems go away. In other words, redemption has been, you know, uh, consummated and you're, you're finished. Um, and now things are great. And then, of course, the problem with that is, and this is a problem with consumerism, is that that's not the case. Uh, you know, if you understand the biblical st story here, there's a, a creation, uh, there's a fall, and there is a future redemption and a path to that redemption. So Christ gives us a path to that redemption, but Christ has not returned yet. And so we ought not to be surprised to find that we live in a place that's still plagued by the fall. Um, Apple would get pitch you a story that says the fall can be sidestepped by buying my product and the redemption is then here. And, and of course that's empty because, and we looked to our bigger story and we held it up as to be accurate because if indeed you do buy the newest Apple product, your life will not magically fix and you will be immune from all future sin problems and falls, right? Um, and so that's, you know, kind of working together to Victoria's point. If you understand that, you can understand better what Apple's doing. And that's a really important thing. But also, if you understand the bigger picture, you can understand why that is an incomplete. It's not that you should not enjoy 
Apple's products. It's not that you shouldn't use Apple's products um, necessarily, but it's, you know, when you buy in the total story that doing so will solve all your problems and not have more, that's the fragile part coming back. And that's the, that's the resilience part that's leaving. Uh, and that's because of you not having a complete understanding of the way the world actually works. And then in my case, I didn't know that Apple released anything yesterday. So I'm not sure where that puts me on the redemption scale either. So, <laughs> you know, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's just that at least as far as Apple's story, you're not necessarily allowing yourself to be influenced by the story that they are wanting you to tell yourself. But absolutely. Uh, take take that, Apple. I'm not in your story. So you thought I was, <laughs> but I'm not. So there. Ha. Huh? <laughs> oh, there you go. So actually, uh, on that note of specifically the story of creation, fall er, and redemption, the story of scripture, I think uh, an important question that we should uh, kind of touch on is why is this the story that we choose to view everything through? Why the Bible? Uh, Jonathan, I think you have some thoughts on this. Just a few, David, um, very lightly held and not passionate about it all. So we were talking about this before the podcast started. We were kind of joking about the fact that I kind of went off on this. But um, yeah, so why the Bible? We touched on this a little bit, right? Um, you know, because I think if if you kind of come at it from an aggressive standpoint of disagreeing, you might say, why the Bible? Why don't you understand your life through the story of, and you could point to Shakespeare, some ancient literature or something like that, or some more popular narrative or things like that. Uh, but, you know, we may have less of those folks listening, but more people that listen say, I believe the Bible. But do you understand why and, and why that that's such a such a big deal? And, and I think for me and for us, the reason it's such a big deal is that, OK, we're, we're making this argument uh, that if we look at the way the world actually is, we are people and we are created to be driven by narrative. And we can't really understand facts until they're attached to a narrative. And it's narrative that actually drives what we do. And it's a story that makes us do the things that we do. And when we make decisions. It's all about kind of fitting into that narrative that we use to make everything make sense. And so that's interesting. Uh, obviously, we've been designed to operate in a story fashion. And so then it's like, well, what story is the story that kind of drives all of those? And we would argue that it's the biblical story. Uh, and part of the reason we'd argue that is that all other stories are derivatives of that story. So if you had looked to some, you know, to Shakespeare, if you had looked to some other kind of, uh, you know, popular narrative, you'd say, well, those all borrowed from the original source. And the original source is uh, the scripture, the Christian scripture, uh, because that's the source that tells the story of creation, fall and redemption. That there isn't any other. Uh, and, and this is an important point. There is no other religious literature that tells that story and it tells incomplete pieces of that right uh, you can go to eastern religions and you can find some redemption stories but you're not going to find the false story uh, you can go to uh, even other abrahamic religions and they're not going to tell the same kind of redemption story or they're not going to put in the same context right they're not going to have the the redemption part they're going to have the fall part and so so th there's there's Elements that are missing in all of the religious texts. But when we look at the Christian story, we have those elements, creation, fall, and redemption. And we would argue that when we look at the world, we see that reflected in the reality that we live in. That, in fact, we can escape this physical world and, and enter into some serenity and peace, as a lot of Eastern religions would say. 
um, that we cannot be perfect and we are going to be judged. And there's no way to escape that, as Islamic religion would say, right? Um, but in fact, we look at this and say, no, we live in a world that we can see grace exhibited. Uh, we can live in a world where we can see forgiveness actually makes a difference in people's lives. We live in a world that is actually, you know, was started in some way, but then is actually marred by something that's gone wrong and it continues to go wrong. And yet we are still a people of hope. And we, you know, all of our literature and all of our hopes and dreams points to something always getting better. And so there's a redemption and we see redemption happen in our own lives and in the lives of people around us and in history. And we actually have this deep longing in us that points to a redemption that makes it all right. And those things only match one story. And that would be the story that's told in the Bible. And so understanding that and putting that in context then sort of locks in everything else. That's the context you need to be able to practice a questions-based paradigm. Uh, that's the context that you need to be able to do things. That's the context you need to be able to live correctly. And that's why this understand component is so important. To add to that, um, David, I think the Bible is important because based on that, that bottom line story of creation, fall, redemption, our, our cultural understanding of a lot of what we do, a lot of what happens in the world, um, in our culture and in just Western civilization in general has been built on that story. Um, and so, you know, we, we believe in justice because we know that there is injustice, there's a fall, um, but we also know that there's um, creation, that there is something, um, there's, there's a standard by which that injustice is, it falls short, right? So that injustice is is bad or wrong because it it it, it is a fall from the creation, right? So, um, and then of course that in order to do justice, then that requires some redemption, some redemption of that fall, right? And so that's just one example, justice. And if you look at the history of Western civilization since the um, kind of the coming of Christianity um, to to take a, a central cultural um, position in, you know, the late Roman Empire, um, you know, for 1,000, 1,500 years, um, Christianity has kind of been the, the baseline story of Western civilization. And so we look at things like justice, and justice is a huge topic right now, um, right in our cultural moment now, people talking about justice. But the very fact that we're even talking about justice or caring about justice um, is because we have been um, exposed to a thousand, fifteen hundred years or so of of Western civilization history, where that story of creation, fall, redemption, that idea of um, there's a there's a good standard and it's been marred by an injustice, and now we need to correct that injustice and bring justice. That idea is based in that um, biblical story, and you could. You could go and, and talk about a million other things, you know, besides justice, you know, banking is built on trust and trust is, you know, also built on that story. You know, uh, hospitals are built on the idea of mercy and mercy is also built on that story of creation, fall, redemption. So anywhere you go in Western civilization and in Western culture, you see the effects of people who have lived in alignment with the story of the Bible. And so that's why um, you know, on a very practical level, we think the Bible is so important to understand, even if you don't believe it's true necessarily, even if you do reject the claims of the Bible and say, well, this isn't true. It's important to understand the story that the Bible tells because it's the story that has given meaning and um, structure to the civilization that we find ourselves in for the past thousand plus years. Yeah, very well put. That's a, that's an excellent point. 
One more thing that I'm really particularly curious on for understanding is, uh, Victoria, I'd like to ask you, what do you think is the cost of not understanding that we live within this context and this story of reality? Hmm. <laughs> How long do we have here? Uh, <laughs> in, in all seriousness, though, David, perhaps the best way I can sum it up, and, and I grew up reading, you know, Narnia and, and uh C.S. Lewis and Tolkien and stuff. So that's kind of the first example that comes to mind. But uh, one of the costs of not understanding, you know, the context of your life or the story is be like me trying to live in Narnia if I lived in Middle Earth and operating under an entirely different set of rules and reality that doesn't align and isn't going to work. It's going to be detrimental. It might be, <laughs> it might be, uh, you know, uh, life taking potentially in, in that kind of, you know, hypothetical situation. But it's just, it's trying to live against the grain. It's trying to accomplish something that cannot be accomplished or to do something through methods that will not prove effective in the end. And so in the same way, when we are attempting to, you know, live our lives according to, you know, an under particular understanding of reality, if that understanding is not actually based in reality, it's not going to work. And perhaps a, a foolish or funny, you know, uh, example would be if I firmly believed I lived at the bottom of the ocean, but I actually lived in the Sahara Desert, <laughs> I, I would not be able to to live well. And in the same way, and that's perhaps extreme or sounds funny, but in the same way, if you don't understand the way that the world is working and understand the context in which you're living, you're going to be trying to to live that out in a way that just doesn't work and just doesn't function. Yeah, that makes sense to me. So to bring things to a close for this discussion, we've talked a lot about how this can apply in a variety of different areas, but uh, I would love to hear from each of you, what is uh, an area of life that you see this concept working itself out practically? What's a practical example of this happening, of seeing this concept in your day-to-day -day lives? So Jonathan, let's start with you. Well, I think that people that understand they're part of a story uh, want to live part of a story, right? I mean, like they see themselves as the character of a story that gives life meaning and that gives life purpose. Um, if, and, you know, if you believe that you're in the fall part, but there is redemption, then hope survives. And those are the things that I think are essential to life. Uh, they're essential to your productivity. They're essential to your well-being. They're essential to your mental health. They're essential to your feeling of purpose. They're essential to your recreation, your ability to rest. In other words... You know, I think sometimes we we forget that we think that physical physical things are really important, and yet it's the it's the non physical, it's the mental things that sort of put that all in context. And if if you don't have a mental framework, if you don't have an understanding of how things are, then it doesn't matter what your physical condition is. It's going to be fantastic and be really terrible, uh, but ultimately it, it's going to deteriorate rapidly. Um, and so. For example, uh, you know, we live in a world where our life expectancy is being lowered uh, because of deaths of despair, uh, overdoses, drug overdoses, alcohol-related deaths, and suicide. Uh, to me, uh, there is a root into all of that that you know, people that commit suicide and overdose on drugs uh, have failed to grasp both the meta-narrative that drives their world and their own place in that story. And so in that sense, you talk about practically – Understanding this is the difference between life and death in some cases, and, and in, in extreme cases, actual life and death, but then between a life that has meaning and a life that has no purpose. Um, and that is a really essential piece in understanding all this. 
Absolutely. What about you, Jace? Well, David, my answer is going to sound theoretical at first, but I promise it is going to be practical. Um, we go back to the idea of ask before, um, you know, that we talked about last month. And then, um, you know, kind of the next pillar we'll talk about is do. Um, I think understand bridges the gap between the two of them, right? You can ask questions, um, but then actually you actually end up having to do something. And so I think to practically apply the idea of understanding the context of your story, um, it helps you to understand what the next thing you need to do is. Um, and obviously that, that comes with asking questions. So I'm not saying that understanding alone is, is the, you know, is the, is the thing you need to, in order to step forward and do something. But I think it helps ground you and give you some idea of, okay, what really matters, what's important, what's my priority, and then what do I need to do? Right. So, um, and I, and I see this in, in just the way that you react to, to things, right. So, you know, Jonathan has mentioned a couple times already in this episode about kind of the fragility that we see in um, our culture when we don't understand that bad things, things that go wrong is to be expected. Um, and so I think, you know, right now as we're recording, there's, there's a lot happening in the world. There's a lot of just uncertainty and things are happening and events and all this kind of stuff. And it's easy for people to kind of get sucked into this, oh my goodness, the world is crazy and not sure what's going to happen next. Um, which is true. We don't know what's going to happen next. And there is that uncertainty. Um, but when we understand that this is due to the fall, that there is, um, there is some level of uncertainty that is absolutely certain in our lives. Um, and not only that, but that it, we're, we're trending towards uh, a redemption, that there is hope for the future. Then that allows us to say, okay, well, how do we be productive in a world that's crumbling down all around us? Um, cause as Jonathan said, there is that, 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 um, tendency to just despair if we don't understand um, that, oh my goodness, the world seems to be crumbling all around us and we don't know what to do. But understanding the story and understanding our place in the story and where what chapter we're in maybe, um, if you want to put it that way, helps us to productively move forward and say, okay, how am I going to respond? What am I going to do in the midst of all this chaos that I find myself in? Whether that's in your personal life or in you know the world and everything that's happening there, I think that's a super important um, reason why uh, understand is so important and how you can apply that. Yeah, I think that's very practical. Very practical indeed. Thank you. And Victoria, what about you? I feel like I'm sitting here jotting down notes from Jason Jonathan in terms of things to apply. But one one last kind of perspective or take on this actually is, is somewhat relevant to me simply because this is a process that I've been working out. So it may just be kind of some personal application there. But how you understand the world to be and what you believe is true is what determines how you think. And the way that you think then determines how you behave and the actions that you take. And the actions you take then determines the kind of life you're living out. And you can back that up the other way as well and kind of boil it down to how am I acting and what are my thoughts? And then by that, what am I you know, demonstrating my beliefs to be? And so this is something I've been, you know, kind of digging into myself lately and trying to kind of dig into that and identify, you know, behaviors or mental patterns and ask, okay, hey, is this in line with the truth of scripture? You know, does the narrative that I'm telling myself, uh, does that align with what I know to be true? And if so, then excellent. And if not, then I see there's some places that I need to adjust. And so perhaps in that sense, um, a very practical way to do this is simply to kind of do a, a, a thought audit or a behavior audit um, and ask yourself, what am I living out and what sort of story am I telling? And that's the only way that you can then adjust it or change it if you don't ever take the time to stop and really lean into that and ask yourself, 
what is it? Um, which may be an uncomfortable place to be if you don't necessarily want to, you know, you know, you don't want to find what you're going to find. Um, but if you don't ever stop and do that, then you won't be able to apply what you're learning. So perhaps, you know, for me, at least, <laughs> this has been a very practical way to do something with this concept of understand, lean into it, ask myself, you know, what am I living at? What are my thoughts? What are my patterns? And then hold that up against the truth and see where it lines up. Yeah. Fantastic thoughts from all of you. So I think that to wrap things up here, I will attempt my one or two minute summary of everything that we've covered over the past 35, 40 minutes. And uh, at the end, you guys can feel free to uh, correct or add on to anything that I might not get. But basically what I have heard over this excellent discussion is that once we have asked relevant questions, determined what questions are helpful and useful for us to determine the answers to, finding out those answers and understanding those answers requires an element of context, of understanding how those answers fit in to the world around us, to reality. And our reality is based in story and not just any story, not just the story that we want to create for ourselves or we think that we are in, but in the overarching story that God is overseeing, that God is writing and through the lens of scripture, through creation, fall, and redemption. And seeing life through this concept of story allows us to see reality as it is and to understand that bad things happen because of the fall, but also to see that there is hope on the other side of that and to see that things may not necessarily be going how we want them to at the moment, but because they're a part of a story greater than ourselves, we can look forward to that future. We can look forward to redemption and we can live our life based off of that. As you say, I have nothing but wild, enthusiastic applause for that summary. So, well done, David. <laughs> that for for anyone who might be watching, that is Jace's wild, enthusiastic applause face right there. <laughs> yep, right, right there. Exactly, David. I need you to just walk around and uh, watch my workday, and then just help me sum it up at the end of the Summarize day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And general listener, if you do as well as David, uh, our work here will be done. So. It'd be uh, really great if I could just have a David tab in my brain that would summarize all my thoughts after I've mm-hmm. spent exactly. all day. The, ba- the bad news is if you listen to this entire podcast, it turns out you could have just listened to David's last three minutes and you've been good. So. Oh, well, I appreciate it, guys. And hey, the only reason that I'm able to summarize things is because you guys gave a lot of great points that I was able to collect together into a summarized thought. So thank you all very, very much for your wisdom and your contributions. And uh, I look very forward to our next discussion that I think we hit on elements of this time, which is going to be talking about do, what we actually do with what we ask and what we understand. So looking forward to that. David, yeah, that was a really good conversation about why we need to uh, look at things the way we look at things and really dive into uh, how uh, understanding works. Have you been able to see uh, a lot of that happen in your life so far? I know that was a really good summary that you just gave. I appreciate that. Um, But what do you think? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that looking at the different events in life in the context of the greater story that we live in really just uh, shifts your entire perspective on how you 
see the world. And uh, actually, speaking of which, I think that's a really neat transition into one of our courses that we offer here at Unbound called Navigate. Uh, Navigate is a decision-making course for young adults that helps them to find a God-honoring, stress-free decision-making model that's based off of the questions-based paradigm that we've talked about in the last episode, and understanding life as a story. So it is a course that drives home the points that we have just been talking about over the past two episodes. So if any of you listening want to learn more about it, you can visit beunbound.us slash navigate. Along those lines, thank you for listening. You have heard this if you're a regular listener, but if you're new, we are Unbound and we help students find ways to truly use their education. And the main way we do that is through the SEND program. This is our special college age program for young adults, uh, young professionals to get their degrees in whatever field they're in, but uh, in a way where we emphasize all the things that we just talked about. Um, Project-based learning, truly asking the right questions so that they can find ways to understand what they're doing, going into doing and living, which will talk about in a couple of weeks. Uh, but the SEND program is for college-age students. Um, if you are interested in learning more, registration is open right now. Please go visit beunbound.us slash ascend. So once again, thank you very much for joining us on this episode of Unbound Talks. And if you're looking for more content from us in the podcast space, we have two other sort of series that we run here on the podcast. Uh, The one that comes right after Unbound Talks is Unbound Pursuits, where we have conversations with groups of students or Unbound alumni who have gone into particular career fields or interests. So those are very worth checking out. And we also have our Unbound Conversations series, where we are joined by special guests who are able to give us a little bit of a different perspective on some of the things that we talk about here in Unbound. So please, while you are here, definitely check out both of those episodes as well. Yes, David. So next week is Unbound Pursuits. We will be talking with some of our alumni and uh, looking forward to that. It will be very interesting. Once again, thank you all very much for watching, and as always, be unbound.